Childbirth and the postpartum experience. Lamaz International is a global group committed to supporting families from pregnancy to parenthood. This podcast is an extension of our passion, which has been educating and journeying alongside families for over 60 years. Lamaz is more than just breathing, and today's podcast will explore and hopefully help educate you in how to advocate for healthy pregnancy, safe birth and early parenting through evidence-based education. Let's get started. My name is Leslie Pascuzzi, and I am your host for today's episode. Today, I'm joined by Megan and Dave, new parents to a beautiful baby boy called Will, and we are gonna explore their journey through Lamaze childbirth education into Will's birth and their parenting journey so far. Welcome, Megan and Dave. Hello. How are you? Well, thank you. Yeah, really good. Well, thanks. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having us. So as you know, Lamaze invests internationally in building knowledgeable and confident parents, supporting them on their journey from pregnancy to parenting. Tell us a little bit about your pregnancy and the decision you made to invest in Lamaze childbirth education to prepare for your safe and healthy birth. Um, well, it was an idea of my mum's. Um, I did know about Lamar's, um, but not a lot. She did them herself um, with my older sister over 40 years ago when she was pregnant. Um, and then when she felt more comfortable because she'd been through the process, she taught them herself. So that's really as much as I knew about it then. I knew it had to do with breathing, um, but she really wanted it for me and Dave um, as something to experience to prepare and little did I know how well suited it would be for Dave and myself um, as people but when we met you Leslie and your approach and who you are um, it just resonated with us so much and we both got this great gut feeling I remember looking over at Dave and just to have you as a partner it just opened the door to such a unique journey for us um, and one that I knew I was lucky to go on in finding you um, and the education, because as we went further along, I realised there wasn't a lot of education from the hospital system and we wouldn't know what we have done, what we would have done without you. So I felt um, really empowered from the get go, having met you. And it just felt the right thing. I just I just knew I had to go with my gut. Um, our pregnancy was um, a very long awaited one. So we'd been trying for about. I think from beginning to end, it was over four years and it was round three of IVF. So because the process was one of medical intervention um, for so long, it was, I was pretty determined to look after myself and my baby and bring them into the world um, with a sense of my own doing and power. So that's where this came into it. And I thought it was the, it was such a great tool for us to be able to do that and to kind of own the process of the labour and and our birth and it it did exactly that I think we for me I think we both felt that this would be the best support for our pregnancy 
and our birth because of our IVF start we really wanted things to remain as natural as possible and where I didn't really know anything about Lamar's at all until Meg's mum started talking about it and then when we met you for the first time and we just started discussing things it just started to really resonate with me and then we sort of had that moment where we looked at each other and we're like yep this is exactly what we need um you know and then from there it became that thing that was just natural to us for what we wanted you know considering how things started for us yeah I remember that day so well it was um I think one of the highlights for childbirth educators is meeting parents in pregnancy and actually being able to have that initial conversation that sparks off the same enthusiasm in you as it does for us. So it was as much a great day for me as it was for you. Um, you prepared for your pregnancy um, and your labour and birth in Australia and uh, taking our Lamas classes together in 2021. And for our listeners, I just want to um, recap about our healthy birth practices, because I think this is something that is really um, gonna feature in the story that you tell us about Will's birth. So just for the audience listening, the healthy birth practices of Lamas are number one, to let labor begin on its own. Number two, to walk, move around and change positions throughout labor. Number three, to bring a loved one, friend or doula for continuous support. Number four, to avoid interventions that are not medically necessary. Number five, to avoid giving birth on your back and follow your body's urges to push. And number six, keeping mum and baby together, as we know that is best for mother, for baby, and to start off that breastfeeding journey. So do you want to give us a little insight into Will's birth and how you felt the healthy birth practices really prepared you for your safe and healthy birth? Yeah, definitely. This is uh, it's probably the most yeah, detailed because I'm reflecting on all of those birth practices and how they absolutely came into play. Had I not learned about this, um, I think it would have been a very different outcome. But because of the training, I felt we were so well equipped mentally and physically for Will's birth. Um, in the lead up, because we were IVF and my age, I was 36 um, at the time, I was automatically considered high risk, even though I had a very healthy pregnancy from the start and no other indications of any um, risk factors health-wise. Um, and they suggested an induction at my very first antenatal appointment at day one, but I'd already had my first training session with you. So it didn't scare me that much because I thought we've got lots of time for this. So we were determined to wait until the baby decided to be born. And that was something I was always felt, feeling very strongly about, even before I knew Lamar's or before I was pregnant or even thinking about kids. I always thought... I think a baby should decide when they want to be born and they'll let your body know that's naturally how it happens. It, it never quite fit well with me when friends would say, oh, when are you getting booked in for your induction? My OB does, does inductions on this day. You'll probably have your baby on a Wednesday. You'll probably have your baby on a Friday. It never really fit very well with me. So that encouragement to let labour begin on its own was always a very natural um, mindset of mine. And so that was a, the birth practice that, I guess 
stayed with me the entire time because I was very prepared for for him to come on his own and he ended up coming at 41 and you know I think I showed at 41 and three days so or two days so it, it, I did definitely let him come on his own but not without a fight which we'll get to um, so it's a bit of a long story but I think this is a crucial one in our journey so fast forward to the last antenatal appointment at 41 weeks like I said and they had suggested a stretch and sweep um, and booking in my induction and the nurse had opened a booking calendar on her computer and told me to get in quick because they book out fast like I was booking in I don't know a dental appointment or a brow appointment or something like that. So I, uh, I had an exam and my placenta was fine. Um, and, so the, and so was the baby and growing beautifully. And the nurse looked quite concerned when I refused a stretch and sweep, um, an internal exam. Um, I didn't want any of that because I didn't want it to start things unnecessarily and also booking the induction. And I told her I'd be happy to come in each day for monitoring. So she left to get a doctor and this was when my heart began pumping and I knew this was the moment that we had been preparing for before the birth, the chat with the professionals about what was best for me and my baby um, and an OB and a slew of student doctors returned, likely to learn what this process looked like in convincing a patient to book in an induction um, and save the life of their baby. So I listened to their generic risk information, which didn't pertain to me. And with my heart in my stomach, I piped up and I asked the questions, which is this is where the advocacy comes in. Um, I asked if I was healthy and if the baby was healthy and the doctor said yes. And I said, does that stat on your sheet of paper relate to me? And I said, can I not give my baby the best chance it can of coming on its own? And she looked kind of shocked, then left to give us some time to decide as if we were going to change our minds, leaving having booked in an induction date. So with jitters, the very first time on my pregnancy journey, I called you, Leslie. I bet you remember this phone call. I do. And, I, and I could, you could hear how rattled I was. I was the first time I was really rattled. And you comforted me and reminded me that I could come back and be monitored each day. So it was this again, empowerment of knowing that I could ask for more time, I could ask questions um, and that they had to listen to us and they had to listen to our requests. So it reminded me that we were in control of the situation and we had worked too hard up until this point to kind of cave at a medical professional's generic risk information that didn't pertain to me. And I even remember saying to her, you know, this is the first time I've met you. This is the first time you've examined me as my doctor and you're bringing in something really generic here. And I know that you're just doing your job, but I also need to do what's best for me. And it was so scary to say that. Um, but they were very focused on the risks. As a hospital system, they were very focused on the risks and they didn't want to lose me. They didn't want to lose baby, which is understandable. But I think if we were in a different situation where we didn't have this training, we would absolutely have said, all right, let's do it. Let's, let's, you know, we've waited long enough for this babe. Um, but then that leads us on to the next part of the story. But it was in that moment that was quite a turning point. Mm -hmm. Now, this doctor, she left with our paperwork, including our Lamar's birth plan, which I'd left in the back. So the work that we'd done in our birth plan. So she'd obviously read my notes from each, you know, 10-minute antenatal appointment that I'd had at the hospital. 
and had a read through the birth plan. Now, on her return, she came alone this time and sat next to me on the bed. No printout in hand. And I asked her flat out about the risks and the benefits of which she said that there were no benefits to waiting. She said none. And I was honestly shocked at that. Now, to my surprise, she asked me about Lamar's and what it was, having never heard of it. And I kindly informed her that it had been around for more than 40 years and that midwives in her department in that hospital were currently being educated by my trainer. That's you. And then she went on to um, our wants for our birth and what they would do for us from our list and just a warning about communicating this with some of the doctors because they were international and that might be a bit of a difficulty. So it was a far cry from her initial approach to us, but it was in this moment that I stood up for our baby and I realised who was in control. My heart was calmed and I actually saw that as a learning opportunity for that OB and I hope she recalls that appointment in her career because she left with a kind word of I really hope that you get what you want from your birth and I found that to be yeah a huge turning point in our journey Mm. knowing I had just stood up for what we had wanted we were really listened to and although it might be different when it came time to the birth we had a say and you don't always need to go along with what medical professionals say. They are there to partner you, but you are the ones who are doing this. Mm. Um, So we took this confidence into the birth of Will. So beginning with the labour, this is getting actually getting to the labour now. So it was, I actually showed naturally the very next day after Mm -hmm. that appointment and I stepped into the shower and I had a bleed and I said to Dave, right, I think this is on. So we were in the beginning stages of labour. We even saw you that day. I remember. <laughs> you were there the whole time. So we were we were prepared and, and monitored my progress at home as long as we could over the, you know, over the next couple of days, we were prepared for that. And I felt safe and I felt comfortable at home mm-hmm. and letting it start on its own and do its own thing and having seen examples of people doing it at home. I was actually looking forward to my labor at home, knowing that we were going to get all these feel-good. Um, you know, those hormones, that oxytocin, doing what it should do to actually help the babe come on on its own. So I bounced on a birth ball. I did breast stimulation using a breast pump, which I'd been doing for weeks leading up, hoping that would help with my contractions, which it actually did. Dave massaged me. We watched TV and relaxed. Um, Charlie, our doula dog, was helping the whole time, being gorgeous as he is. I was doing my favourite kinds of things rather than it being led by fear. It was led by a sense of anticipation and knowing that, you know, we're, we're steps closer to meeting our baby Mm. and this might be uncomfortable, but we were, we were made to do this. We were Mm. prepared for this. Um, I had a TENS machine as well, which you had suggested, and it just took the edge off any uncomfortable contractions. And I had Dave, my husband nearby the entire time. So he worked full time with me the moment that I showed Mm. until Will was born. Mm. That was super important was having Mm. him Mm. knowing that I was never, ever going to be alone was a huge factor Mm. in me relaxing relaxing and just going I'm being taken care of here which is which was also one of the birth practices Mm. about having him right next to me so the birth kind of in a nutshell so once uh, we actually got a lot of what we wanted but also a lot of what we didn't so it was a very balanced mix um, which I'll go into further detail about 
Um, we arrived at the hospital with very short contractions, like three to four minutes. I was contracting the whole way to hospital and even going up in the lift and getting in there. Um, I had an exam, but yet my cervix wasn't quite in the right position. And it, that, that hurt actually, mm. that, that exam. And straight after that, my contractions seemed to slow because mm. I, I was thinking I'm on here three to four minutes. Mm. That's quick. This is going to be, you know, we're, we're going to um, naturally be going into active labor here, but then my contractions slowed. So um, because we were IVF, they wanted to, of course, keep us and admit us right away. And I thought, well, we're already contracting quite quickly. Mm. We're already here. We were at a roadblock. Um, we knew the doctors would want to induce us and we were already at the hospital and it's not what we wanted. And mm. so it ended up in quite a sleepless night for the two of us, a sleepless and um, really unsure time because of all the work that we had done to get here mm. and we believed it was going to be this, you know, natural going into labour, everything's going to be great, but we had a decision to make. We knew that we'd back, be back there soon anyway because we were 41 and 3, so we mm. wouldn't be going much further with, with Will. Um, we had to go home or stay and we waited this long for Will and we decided to have to have some trust in the doctors considering labour had already begun, but we would take things slowly. We still had our birth plan and we still were in control and we still knew that we could have a positive birth experience no matter how this started. If, if it started in induction, it wasn't going to be right. You can have every medical intervention out there, but we needed to make a decision so the midwives um, gave us a room with everything we wanted. They wrote it all up for others coming in. Uh, I had essential oils. I had my lights down, my photos of my family growing up, which makes me feel calm around the room. My music was on. I listened to soundtrack music, so that was on in the background. And so I already felt, again, I was in a safe place. Um, this was just a new chapter in the, in, our, in the birth, in the labour. Um, my waters were broken, but I asked them to calm me down. So I had gas, gas mm -hmm. only. And I asked them to do that just to calm me because it was my very first internal anything mm -hmm. intervention since, you know, falling pregnant. So I was mm -hmm. like, I, I just want to be calm for this. Mm -hmm. So I had the gas and that's how I learned to control the gas. And then um, I labored with Dave for about five hours with just gas and music. We kind of just danced together. I stood up, I bounced on a ball. I was pumping with the breast pump in there and I actually pumped Will's first meal of colostrum during labor so I pumped about 20 mil of milk um, which the midwife I think it's a male midwife that came in and said what's she doing there she's pumping and Dave said yeah she's she's pumping it helps with the contractions which it did at home so we knew the things at home helped uh, so we use those things in hospital mm. as well um, and just listening to my music and doing it as a team I was completely dilated in that time. So we did it all together and I felt in control and completely at ease. And I felt that Will and me and Dave, all three of us were in this together and the midwives just stood by, did not intervene and they gave us everything we wanted. So as much as that was a tiring process, I really loved it. Mm. It was the part of labour that I'll never, I won't forget any of it, but that was such a special time, Dave, mm being literally being the person I was leaning on I was standing up I was moving around I was remembering to move around and follow my instincts mm. and and the contractions still weren't close enough so the doctors gave me some options so I was really tired after showing on a Saturday morning being admitted on a Sunday and now it being a Monday night so I remember thinking how I wanted to enjoy the last part of the birth 
and I opted for an epidural. I don't regret it. I, it was actually an easy decision to make at the time and I did it and the guy that came in and did it was fantastic. Um, I could still feel the contractions, which I actually really liked because mm -hmm. I knew when to push when they were giving me the opportunity to push. So I did that for two hours and I was doing well and the doctors were so encouraging of me when I was doing that. So again, I had this confidence that I was pushing and making a difference. Mm -hmm. I was going to get this baby out. But the baby was getting tired and hearing that information was a little scary knowing you know their heart rate is changing I'm getting tired but I asked for more time and they gave it to us so they listened to us and I don't think I would have asked for more time or asked questions even during labor mm. um, during such a crucial time had I not known that I was entitled to do that mm -hmm. um, I, uh, yeah the entire labor I was asking questions so things were getting serious because I had a fever and so theater was mentioned and whilst having contractions, I was handed all kinds of paperwork to sign. And I recall telling the doctors no to forceps, but yes to a vacuum if necessary. And they were like, oh, yeah, we'll just cross that out. And I thought, okay, if it's that that easy, you know, just to say yes to that, but no to that. And they they listened. Mm. I thought, wow, that actually gives you so much more control than you realise. You just mm. have to pipe up and ask the questions. So Dave was in scrubs before I knew it. And I knew what that meant. So I closed my eyes and I went to another place determined not to have a c-section because I wanted this baby to pass through my birth canal mm -hmm. as intended I, I wanted that so badly I think that's something I all have or had always wanted so I felt so confident and strong I pushed each contraction with the help of my midwife every time I felt a little tension she said I want you to go for it and push and they were so encouraging and I could see things happening so I held on to hope so I wheeled to theatre but I was still pushing I had a fever I was vomiting they were giving me paracetamol um, once I heard the OB surgeon tell me I was doing great and that three more pushes and the baby was out I turned to my midwife and I said to her I'm getting this baby out and no one is cutting me open two more pushes and Will was on my chest and the OB surgeon said, are we having delayed cord clamping? And that was something that I learned about in the Mars that I hadn't learned about before. And the midwife said, yes, we absolutely are, because it was written in our birth plan. And he said, how does four minutes sound? And we thought, wow, we just expected maybe one minute or two minutes. But he gave us all four and Will was on my chest and flushed with blood. Dave said that the... The cord was absolutely white. There was no blood at all left and he got all the good stuff <laughs> and um, and he was on my chest and the midwife said, you don't need to push anymore. Look what you've done. You look what you've done. The baby is on your chest. So, yes, I had an epidural. Yes, I had a vacuum. Yes, I had an episiotomy. They were interventions I didn't expect, but like you said, you don't know until you're in it what is going to happen but it was such a positive birth experience for, for me and I felt empowered and in control the whole time and we knew the potential for intervention but even with these we still had boundaries and requests that were listened to the whole time so we felt heard and seen and that we were the ones doing this, not them. Mm -hmm. And whilst it was maybe a bit different for Dave on the other side, seeing me turn into a different beast altogether and going into another world, closing my eyes, um, I felt that it was mm -hmm. um, incredible. And like I said, a mixed bag, but mm -hmm. I, I know that the reason that I felt so in control 
of it was that I knew that I had a voice mm. and it was due to this due to this training that I that mm. I felt and you that I had this confidence going into it and um reflecting on this a year mm. on and he's about to turn one I just feel yeah I feel really blessed about that did you want to add anything to that day I it was a very different experience for me <laughs> um there were some really scary moments not the I guess not the birth itself we had very much what Megan said about the fact that we were listened to the whole time we we ended up being in hospital being in birth um suite uh long enough to change over um for two midwives and both of them were amazing for me um I got to see both of them after in the days after that we were still in hospital and had wonderful conversations with them still. I still feel like I could go back and do that. Um, they're the ones that got me through those scary moments about talking about going to theatre. Um, there were some conversations that I don't think I was necessarily meant to hear that were happening between the doctors at one point. Um, I was resting off to the side and I think they thought I was asleep and I wasn't asleep. And yeah, there was, there was some scary things there that for me, I guess, you know, in hindsight, it wasn't all that scary, but at the time it really was. Mm. Um, Birth does throw so, out these twists and turns, doesn't it? Like you don't you don't know that they're going to come, but when they do, you know, it can be overwhelming. And uh, hmm. definitely um, recalling your story just as you do. Like it's it's hard not to feel you want to smile and you want to just appreciate that with all the twists and turns and I'm sure like Dave said scary moments but it's it does sound like a, a happy happy day mm -hmm. mm. It was. Mm. going back through it um just leading up to this having a think about it um I got teary again just making a few notes mm -hmm. and bits and pieces just recalling it it's nearly a year ago mm -hmm. and um yeah a lot of that day you know came flooding back and there's still like these wonderful memories of us dancing around in birth suite together for five hours and you know all these different things getting to see will for the first time you know a little purple squishy thing that he was <laughs> you know it's, it's just i'll never i'll never forget that you know having things that we've learned from you that you know it's still running through me now mm -hmm. you know whenever I see friends of ours I'm always you know in their ear about it whenever I see I mean we met this couple today um they're recently pregnant and I was just thinking you know I throw it out there should I you know and I was like it's very presumptuous to just like oh but you have to meet Leslie just drink you know? Lamar's training to the world it's just the yeah. um the interesting thing about how you remember it and we, we see this in the research that you know what happens on that day stays with you for life the memories that you create that day that the the small details that you remember it, it's like a memory that is is very hard to compared to anything what what you remember on that day when your child is born this mm. is why we do as Lamaze childbirth educators really want to empower those families in pregnancy to invest in education to give yourself that best chance mm. that what happens on that day there will be twists and turns there'll be ups and downs but ultimately you have that positive take-home mm. experience we talked about the healthy birth practices and I wanted just to focus in on, on that continuous support that Dave offered you. Um, mm. How do you think, Dave, the education that we had um, 
really prepared you to be that continuous support person? What, what was that like for you and what went well? The greatest take home for me was that sense of empowerment that you gave us right from the first meeting mm-hmm. when we were just talking about it and we were talking about the birth practices and aligning with our feelings on trying to be as natural as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, that empowerment for me and then the training as we went through it with you, I guess, just allowed me to feel confident to stand up for Megan and Will at every opportunity that sort of came along. Mm. Um, the more I learned and then the more I read about afterwards and then, you know, we were always in our sessions, we we're always talking about the fact that I just researched everything and learn all these different things and I just had to do it to start trying to abate that you know that sort of first dad kind of you know first time dad kind of scared you know nervous sort of you know feeling I guess that just started to fade away after every session every extra little training session every little phone call you know would update you and all these bits and pieces along the way and it was just getting further and further and further away from my mind. At every um, hospital appointment, we both felt more confident with each other. We both asked more questions of the midwives um, and the doctors. We both felt uh, closer and more connected with each other and more in control, I guess. I think it was about halfway through the training. For me, I really started feeling not so much... I guess I started feeling bad for other parents that hadn't had that training. We had some friends at the same time that were pregnant and um, we just kept thinking back to them, just going like, you know, we're learning all these things and they don't know all these things. We have to tell them all these things, you know, we have to try and help them as much as possible along the way. And I was just, I was just this, overwhelming feeling inside of me to just mm-hmm. tell everyone about Ooh. all this you know oh, you're pregnant oh yeah great you're right. have you heard of Mars? you know <laughs> kind of I just and that's still mm-hmm. I guess that's still with me to mm-hmm. some extent mm-hmm. um but yeah the, the largest thing for me is that empowerment is mm-hmm. that encouragement to just mm-hmm. say you know you know what this is this is what we want this mm-hmm. is what my wife wants this is what I want this is you know how we feel about this particular thing Mm -hmm. we're willing to work with you on these things Mm -hmm. but ultimately we would like you to you know listen to us where it suits Mm -hmm. Um, and that's the most important thing is knowing that we can do that Mm -hmm. and having that courage and having that empowerment um Atlamas, interestingly, they um they have a, a slogan or a, a mantra, you know, knowledgeable parents making informed choices. That's really a slogan mm. that they do promote widely. And your story there gives us exactly that, you know, without that knowledge, you know, how able or how equipped would you have been to have felt like this is my job I am Mm. the partner I am her husband this is my baby and this is how I'm going to play out that role and I think um, I do remember back to our classes and really you know it, it was a delight to see how connected you were to everything that yes it was Megan's body that was going to go through this physically but 
that partnership role, that support person role was just as vital. And I think that's something that probably in education we have to keep doing to actually try and change that story that if you're not the person birthing the baby, you're kind of a side a kind of side note that you don't really have that yeah, central role sure. to play. And I think um, your story definitely shows us that there is such a benefit to being knowledgeable and ready to bring that voice and then guard, safeguard that space for her, keep her feeling like it's going to be okay. And mm -hmm. if she can't speak for herself, you will definitely speak for her. Um, obviously, we hope that many of our listeners are expectant parents and they'll be listening across the globe to find out how Lamaze Education can um, help them on their journey to parenthood. Since you've been parenting now for one year almost, and congratulations on that because it is a milestone, um, would you have any advice, words of wisdom that you'd want to pass on to families about pregnancy, about labour birth? or about this newborn fourth trimester? Any words of advice? Yeah, little bits on everything, I think. Um, mm. I, I just, kind of the first things that came to mind, but I think they might be quite practical, except for when it comes to the fourth trimester. Um, pregnancy, I think, um, listen to your body. Um, if it's concerning in any way or feels unusual, get it looked at and go see your midwives. There are people there that are there for you, so... If anything is unusual, then go for it and get, mm -hmm. it, get it checked. Um, and if you're tired, then rest. Listen to your body um, and ask questions. Lots and lots of questions. Um, but I think that's something that I took from the training as well, is that even when it comes to the journey, just ask questions of the people mm -hmm. that are there to help you, whether mm -hmm. it's a private midwife or it's a doula or it's a... Um, a midwife at a hospital, however, however you choose, ask plenty of questions and make sure that it's specific to you and your results and your test results. Mm -hmm. uh, people give you an ultrasound even, ask some questions. Mm -hmm. That's what they're there for. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything about that? For me on pregnancy, you can never massage or tell your wife she's beautiful enough. <laughs> this the, it, like I said. Dave, Dave has the more emotional answer. I'm the more like practical when it comes to pregnancy. That's why you're such a good team. <laughs> um, when it comes to labour, taking having the comforts of home around you, I think is so super important. Something I learned through the Lamar's training is about those natural hormones and about the feel-good hormones that are going to help make this process run the way that it is supposed to mm -hmm. having those comforts around you and actually making the most of either home or things around you if you're already in hospital mm -hmm. take those things with you take a box of everything that makes you feel happy safe inspired loved take those things no matter what kind of looks you get from anybody take them because you're the one who's doing the work mm -hmm. and you're the one who needs to feel the best that you can mm -hmm. during this what is supposed to be a really beautiful time. Mm -hmm. So take those things that make you feel amazing because they in turn are going to help with those hormones that are going to help your body do everything naturally. Good. Um, that And it's a marathon, so pace yourself. It's <laughs> not just going to be, oh, I've got a showing, I'm having a baby in two hours. Mm -hmm. So you do have to pace yourself and having someone that you trust and feel safe with is just so important. Um, but every birth story is different. And I think that's something to really remember. This is kind of labour and birth together. Um, but whatever it looks like, it's completely unique. So I think you can't compare your story to anyone else's. I think 
every birth, even in your own family, having three, four births, they're all going to be different. Mm -hmm. So enjoy it, I think, and see it as one step closer to your babe, as opposed Mm -hmm. to embracing it with, for it to be something that's approached with fear. I think that's very common thing and even me in the beginning I approached it with a bit of fear rather than embracing it as something that was exciting and one step Mm -hmm. closer to meeting my baby and Mm -hmm. it being something that was a positive thing that we were made to do that our bodies were created to do Mm -hmm. Uh, so I think that takes practice and learning and training with all of this Mm -hmm. in in preparing your mindset and preparing your body for uh, for labor and birth but I think it was all in the change of mindset that made this such a positive experience for mm. us. I didn't approach it with fear. Mm. I approached it with such a sense of um, positivity, anticipation, but knowing it was going to be my own unique story mm. and that um, Will was also part of the team. My baby inside of me was doing the work as well mm. as me, as well as Dave. Mm-hmm. So I knew that I wasn't on my own. We were a team of three. We were a little party of three doing it together. And that's what helped me get through mm. it. So yeah, there's, there's a few little gems in there. Dave, <laughs> did you have anything else? On labour, wear comfortable shoes. <laughs> well, that's a practical bit of advice. Yeah. And rest at the start because you need it at the end. <laughs> that is it. Regardless of how long it's going to, that is choose, rest. Yeah. That's it. Um, that's labour. <laughs> and fourth, fourth trimester. Yeah. A little bit on this as well. It was something I didn't really anticipate because I was so focused on getting him into the world mm-hmm. that I didn't really anticipate any of it. I didn't anticipate how I would react, how mm-hmm. my body would be, um, how my baby would be. Um, so take all the help that you can. If it's in the form of food, if it's in the form of someone coming and doing your dishes, your washing, anything like that. Um, it's a really fragile time after you have a baby whether it's your first, I think your third, your fifth. Um, The best advice I received was that it's a birth of two people when a baby is born. It is your baby, it's this little person in your life, but it's also you as a parent, as a mother, as a father, Mm -hmm. that is born at the same time. And this is a huge deal and it really takes some time. So you need to check in mentally and you need to check in physically because the healing and adjustment time is different for everybody. For me, it took me four months to feel like myself again. And I had help from you, Leslie, you know this, um, which was life-saving. I had help from my mum who came to live with me. I had help from so many people around me. And it's a really, really big deal. So you need to take care of yourself while everyone thinks, oh, you know, you're just being kept up at night and you just need to keep chugging along like a machine because you've got this new baby that needs you. We as parents also need that help. And I think that's something that is not looked at um, enough. Mm-hmm. So you really need to check in and use all of the help network that you have around mm-hmm. you to make sure that firstly, you're cool. So then you can do the best that you can for mm-hmm. your babe. Um, and use the resources around you like if Mm. you need to see a lactation specialist if you need to check in um, with your mental health if you need to see some mothers that you already are connected with because they're your mates and have babies even if they're at different ages um, or if you want to connect with a new mother's group then do that as well Mm. but it was it's it's been a really humbling experience for me that fourth Mm. trimester and something that I I guess I've become quite passionate about because Mm. Um, whilst I'd heard, heard of, you know, the postnatal anxiety and depression side of things, um, 
never thought that it would affect me the way that it did. That was a real surprise. Mm. So that that fourth trimester is very real and um, and you can't discount that. It's not just about mm. being tired. It's not just about a baby being up and needing to feed however many times. Mm. It's things like potentially struggling with lactation mm. or you going through your own, you know, bouts of anxiety or you just don't know what mm. it does to you and your body. So mm. um, check in, make sure that you have a, a support network mm. around you for that fourth trimester. It's such an adjustment, isn't it? Oh, massively. Yeah. Did you have anything to add? I think be present as much as possible. Share how you're feeling and be open with each other. Mm-hmm. I think in the fourth trimester, be kind with each other. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind. not an easy adjustment. Um, learn together, grow together. And I think, I guess, as um, Meg's partner and all of this, do as much extra as possible to support your partner's recovery mm-hmm. I think that's you know that can't be understated and then now we're a year down the track don't stop ever doing those things really <laughs> mm. because it's just now forever like Meg said we were all born on the same day in this new role that we have and those things just need to carry on mm. to keep it as healthy and happy as possible mm. so that leads me in Megan, what does it mean to be a mum? I thought the first thing that would come to mind would be something like really beautiful and Hallmark cardish, but it's not. It's um, being attentive and listening to a little person who is learning the world for the first time Mm -hmm. um, and needs you. Mm -hmm. Um, I was always receiving messages like, you're doing an amazing job from people who didn't know I was doing an amazing job. I said, you know, you're doing an amazing job and Will loves you more than anyone else in the world. And I found that just really hard to believe in the beginning. I was like, yeah, this kid doesn't really know what's going on. He's just, you know, he's just, he he basically needs me as he does. But as he's grown and he's engaging more and he wants to be near me, Mm -hmm. I really feel that now. Mm -hmm. Um, But listening to him and what he needs Mm -hmm. um, is, is kind of the first thing that Mm -hmm. I, I've found myself doing every day. I'm always Mm -hmm. listening to him, what it is that he needs. And I'm learning to listen more and more. Mm. Um, And it's embracing the unpredictable I've found, which Mm -hmm. is something in the fourth trimester I really struggled with Mm -hmm. because I like a routine and I like things to be quite predictable, but babies aren't predictable and they have their own way of doing things. And that's something about being a mum is embracing that. Mm -hmm. So there's so much more I could say, but those are the things that kind of came top of my yeah. list, maybe because they're the things that I need to work on. <laughs> they're the things I find most challenging. Probably. And that's and that's what, what's been happening day to day with, with your exactly. nearly one-year-old. That's and right. Dave, um, being a dad means what to you? Uh, to me, it's, I think, caring for my new family. Mm-hmm. You know, I have this, this precious thing. Um, it's really almost a protective Thing in me mm-hmm. I'm quite fierce about them in different ways um teaching will about the world I love watching him learn new things mm-hmm. um as a dad I think is really important trying to guide and steer him in the best ways that we sort of find for each other mm-hmm. um I think loving um loving Megan in a whole new way is a big deal for me as a father 
through our whole, you know, journey together to get Will. Um, I just love her completely entirely in a different way than I ever knew was possible. It's deeper Mm. kind of love than I ever thought that was possible. Um, And I reflect on that a lot more now that I'm a dad. Mm. I think that's just like every day. Every day I hate leaving the house and going to work Mm. because I'm leaving them behind. But every day I love coming home because I know they're going to be waiting for me. And, um, yeah, I never expected, like, I never expected that to be a thing. Mm. And now it's my every single day. And it's it's amazing to me. (laughs) And we're all smiling here on the screen, even although the listeners won't be able to see that. We're all (laughs) smiling together. And just to wrap up, what would you summarize, you know, our journey to parenthood Mm. was? What would you say our journey to parenthood was? It was a long-awaited one to start, sometimes hard. Um, It's brought us closer together um, and made us vulnerable, made us open, uh, made us surrender and trusting um, of medicine in a way and also of one another. Um, But it made us appreciate our boy all the more. Mm -hmm. I think that kind of sums it up, really. Yeah. 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 It's been just so heart-filling for me to have you join us on the podcast. Um, Your story really just does encapsulate exactly what the Lamaze Healthy Birth Practices are all about. And to um, have been on this journey with you myself really has been a privilege. So thank you for joining us, for sharing your story and for empowering, I am sure, many families across our international network on what Lamaz Childbirth Education could do for them. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. And thank you for you, Leslie. (laughs) It's been my pleasure. Um, So thank you to everyone for listening to the Lamaz podcast today. I'm just going to let you know that our website, www.lamaz.org, is where you can learn more about Lamaz. You can learn how to connect with a childbirth educator in your area and find a Lamaz class to learn exactly what Megan and Dave did on their journey to parenthood. We can also ask you to subscribe to the Lamaze podcast and definitely give us a five-star review if you have enjoyed this episode. This will help other families around the globe find us in the podcast world, and that would just be great. So thank you for tuning in today. And until next time, I have been your host, Leslie Pascuzzi, and we'll see you next time.